This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe took everything, Milton Keynes Tons. Well, pretty uh, pretty dramatic yesterday afternoon, weren't it, gents? Uh, entertaining game to say the least. And uh, Ross, I heard you had a pretty entertaining afternoon yourself. So uh, hopefully you've uh, recovered from that and okay to crack on with the recording. So how are you doing? Yeah, I was feeling slightly rough this morning, but uh, I'm coming around now. But obviously uh, with work on the horizon tomorrow, it's not a... Uh, not in the best of moves, but we, we, we crack on. Yeah, obviously me me and yourself spoke to uh, Ollie from Salopcast earlier and uh, that was a good little interview of Ollie, uh, previewing Tuesday's game and uh, that'll be later on the episode. Uh, but of course, we've got the Panthers game to review first and uh, Joe, it was interesting game, wasn't it, that we're going to talk about shortly? Yeah, I think my blood pressure is only just uh, lowering after that game. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it, well, yeah, it's it's a bit of a roller coaster, weren't it? But like our season, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it was an interesting game. Um, not one not one like we've seen in the past couple of months, really. It's like we like we time travelled humans back, like we spoke about previously. Before we get into that, uh, Jordan Houghton is raising some money for the MK Food Bank, and he's doing a little giveaway. He's doing some signed shirts and boots on his Instagram. Uh, the link will in the will be in the podcast description to donate to. Uh, how John Houghton's just giving page and all you got to do is follow instructions on Instagram to enter a giveaway and it's five pounds an entry I believe so yeah donate five pounds enter uh, us ourselves have donated to the cause um, and I know Ross himself has donated personally himself um, so yeah get involved if you can okay gents for free against Southampton on Saturday uh, honestly an absolutely crazy game um, but I said it on our Twitter, um, great teams win those games and they play badly. And I like to think that with us being the second best league team in the league in terms of form, we are that great team now. Um, who knows what happened a few months ago if we had been in that situation and we just heads went down and didn't come back. Uh, but luckily, substitutions to the rescue. I believe it was two goals and two assists in total for the uh, subs that came on. 
And um, yeah, the quality on the bench is terrific. Um, maybe it wasn't the prettiest performance, but got a job done ultimately. And uh, Joe, I'm sure, despite how you know some some individuals played, uh, the three points all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think at the start of the season we. We, we, we had loads of games where we probably deserved more and today we probably got one that we didn't deserve. So I think, you know, in the end, it all does balance out. Um, I think, just first of all, I wanted to say that I don't I don't necessarily think we played awful, but I do think Northampton played quite well. I think um, um, Cobbler's Vlogs mentioned, Matt from Cobbler's Vlogs mentioned it on on the podcast saying how um, the, 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 the changes they've made have almost just given them a new lease of life and... I haven't seen that, that sort of performance in any of the games which we've played against Northampton this season. And it just seemed like they'd almost been let off a leash. I thought Mark Marshall, um, especially he, Louis and Jules, they did not have a quiet afternoon down that left-hand side. He was constantly um, going at them. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, the, the three of the two of the three goals we actually conceded were just set pieces. And that's just, you know, it, it is sloppy, but they were quality balls in and... You know, it, it's it's quite clear that you know, right where, where we need to look for, you know, where we need to look at after those two goals, and and the other one was just, well, I don't know. I thought we'd you know maybe put the uh, conceding from kickoff behind us, but hmm. there, but it was great finish. Um, I, I think um, what I think I think that one thing to mention as well that you know at the start of the season we were, we were going down and we were getting back into it, but it was a bit of a slog. But today. I just think all of our goals just showed how much quality we've got in the team. And a lot of the goals that were scored, you know, I don't think, I think three of the goals that were scored were by the, the by a player's first goal uh, for the club, you know, and I, I think that, you know, Sermon's volley, you know, unbelievable. Um, I thought Joe Mason played a really great ball, really quick, straight into Will Greg, who then it slotted it away. Just, you know, you'd back him to do that anytime, wouldn't you? And then, um, the third, Ben Gladwin's pass. I didn't actually realise how good it was. It's almost first time. And it looks like a hopeful lump, but it just goes straight to Cammy, And Cammy just holds off with his man, smashes it in the back of the net. And then the, th- the fourth goal, what an unbelievable cross from Daniel Harvey. And Charlie Brown, you know, I think Russ mentioned it. He shows absolute bravery, you know, just to just get anything on it. Because he knows that if he does, it will be ending up in the back of the net. So I think... You know, I think what one thing I can just take away is we've got top class character in the team, but it actually looks like we've got some top class quality in the team now, too. Yeah, um, you know, when you're playing like that and you win a game, it just shows how good of a team you are. I think. I think that's ultimately the thing to take from it. I don't think we should be dwelling on the negatives too much. Um, obviously, that's not our job anyway, and that's the coaches coaching team's job, in a sense, and to prepare them better for Tuesday night. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was impressed that they came back. Um, I believe when Kyoso, of course, it'd be Kyoso who scored the third goal. I was a bit worried, um, but hey, they proved they have proved me wrong in a sense. And uh, yeah, battled through a pretty poor performance and got the three points. I actually agree with you, Joe. I do think Northampton were actually good. Um, I felt their actual pressing side of things was actually really good, and they kind of incorporated like a zonal marking in a weird sense. Uh, they didn't really press us too much. They kind of just let us try and pass through them which is actually a really interesting uh, tactic that Brady introduced. I didn't really think that a team would do that. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of teams in the past, like Plymouth and you know, Shrewsbury as well, earlier on in the season, we're playing again on Tuesday, kind of just, you know, just forced into running at us. But Northampton didn't really do that too much. 
And when they did, they picked their moments. And of course, that resulted really well for them in the three goals. And they were very unfortunate not to get anything from the game, ultimately. And uh, that's kind of been their story of their season, pretty much. Um, Ross, am I right in thinking that you kind of disagree with me and Joe in a sense in thinking that we kind of play down to Northampton in a sense? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. I felt it was blow par from us. Um, and we made Northampton look good as such. And uh, I felt like we gifted them too many chances in, in the sense of we're giving away cheap um, balls away like Sermon. He'd normally dictate a game like at Rochdale. But in this, I don't know whether it was a surface or... We can blame it all, on all different factors, but at the end of the day, he weren't himself. And I think you could tell just through that 90 minutes that he weren't himself and he weren't up to his usual game. But um, as you boys have mentioned, um, we got we got the result at the end of the day. But the thing which concerned me the most was normally in like the second half, after Russ has had his team talk, I know at AFC and Rochdale especially, uh, we've came out like a different team. But I felt like... Um, especially with Watson, um, I think it was one or two minutes after the ref had blown the whistle, and Watson scoring straight away. And I was quite surprised to see this, because obviously we're normally a second-half team as such. Um, but it's, it, I think we showed a, a, a tremendous amount of resilience to uh, fight back from 3-2 down. And credit for the lads for doing so. Because, as you say, um, a few months back, we wouldn't have won this. And... It just shows we aren't going to play pretty every week. I'm just happy we got it over the line in the end. Yeah, it was interesting, as you mentioned, that team talk, because, yeah, we kind of came accustomed to it, haven't we? You know, had a poor first half, come out second, get a few goals, happy days. Um, but, yeah, the grass wasn't always as greener, or the mud in our case on our pitch it wasn't always as uh, greener as it could have been. And, uh, yeah, um, it was difficult. And I think, well, maybe, maybe you disagree, Ross, but I think Northampton were good because they made it difficult for us. Um, but we're going to some individuals. And I'll, I want to start with Zach Jules. Obviously, he's playing a new position, a uh, new league, left wing back. He's kind of dividing the opinion at the moment. Um, obviously, in some people's cases, it wasn't his best game yesterday. Obviously, he was mostly in charge of taking care of Marshall and didn't exactly do the best job of that in um, most of the game. He found it pretty difficult trying to deal with a little nippy player like Marshall, who in the past we've seen do really well against us and uh, he clearly likes Stadium K pitch that's for sure um, Ross what were your thoughts on Jules' performance on, on uh, Saturday sorry not Tuesday Saturday and how he kind of coped in the minutes he was on the pitch um, I, I completely agree with it not being his better game but as you say Liam he's in a completely different league um, there's, there's loads of different factors involving in Jules in the sense of we knew it was going to be long-term. He wasn't a short-term fix in my eyes. I believed he was always going to take time to adjust to that new position as such because of under Walsall. I think he played at left wing-back. Um, uh, not left wing-back, sorry, left-back. And, and then he played at centre-back role. So he's actually never played in that uh, position. And I think we've just, um, we just have to look at Laird as such because we felt we've actually criticised him about his position and and I felt, especially um, against Northampton, he was, he was, I wouldn't call him lazy as such, but he wasn't tracking back and he was relying, relying on um, Louis a uh, slight bit as throughout the 90 or however much he was on for. But yeah, overall, I, I don't feel like you can blame him for that, for his performance. Cause of, I don't feel like anyone had a great game. 
Yeah, um, I looked at Jules's average position in the game and it was actually level with the likes of Mason. So it's very similar to what we saw of Regan Paul in the earlier stage of the season where he is bowling at field and, you know, leaving the likes of Ruby Willow or Warren uh, really exposed. Um, and yeah, I feel I feel Russ kind of defended Jules though at his presser. I think he knew he didn't have his best game and maybe that's why he's brought off early, who knows. But I felt that he served his purpose in that game. Um, obviously, it was due to Northampton's weird style of press. He was kind of seen as an outlet to that and this fish booting up to him and him wearing his aerial jewels. And the fact that he won you know, five out of seven on the day, uh, which mostly in the first half, I believe, showed that he served his purpose. Although it wasn't his best game, I feel that he did enough. And spoiler alert, that's why I've got him starting again on Tuesday. I feel that he'll be needed again. And I feel he offers a bit of a unique dynamic to what other players in the squad can't do, that left wing back spot. And um, yeah, admittedly, I think I agree. It wasn't his best game, but he did okay. Um, Joe, do you uh, kind of agree with me and Ross is that Jules was okay, but he didn't really stand out too much? Or do you think he just didn't do well at all? Yeah, I think... You know, I, th- I think it is, it is a weird, it is a different sort of skill set that I guess Russ wants from from that. You know, the if you want the more defensive of the wing backs, um, I, I think yeah, you're right. He he gave us an outlet, and there was quite a few times where, I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to maybe speak about it a bit more, but I think Fish was exposed a few times because there was back passes to him that were just sticking in the mud. And he was having to come forward and and you know get and get rid basically. And quite a few times, uh, you know, the target would be Jules. And I thought Jules did you know almost like the classic uh, David Martin to Dean Lewington out by out out on the left, you know that sort of tactic. And and Jules, you know, like you say, did win most of them. I thought in possession, I don't think he was great. But then again, we we said that you know Northampton's press was was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I you know. It, he is, I think, predominantly brought in to be that long-term left centre-back. He's not a left wing-back, but he's certainly doing a job there at the moment. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got he's got some credit in the bank because he's had some a couple of good performances anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we can look too much into it, but I think that Harvey was great when he came on. I think just defensively, it, was all, it just shored up that line a little bit. Maybe we just needed that extra bit of pace. And I thought that you know we we know with Harvey, I think he's Harvey's tied fourth for goal goal involvements in in our team this in the league. He's had thirteen starts, two goals and three assists. So you know we we know about the threat that Harvey Harvey uh, poses. Yeah, he's um, Daniel Harvey sort of added to our arsenal with options on the bench, hasn't he? The likes of Chaz Brown and people like that who can come on and clearly change the game, like we saw. Um, a play that interests me that I want to get both of your guys' thoughts on was Warren O'Hora. Now, I've compared Warren's performance to Northampton's first goal scorer in Fraser Horsfall, who, I mean, got drastically different ratings compared to what sort of rating system you look at, whether it be so score, who scored. But actually, Warren, for me, played all right. You know, he had he, if his seven long balls, he hit them all to Don's player, which is what you want in the system, really especially if the likes of Darlin can't really do that, which he didn't really have the time to on Saturday. And his passing percentage is 93.2%, which is actually one of the highest of the season for him. Um, admittedly, as uh, Joe kind of alluded to, someone went a bit astray and put a uh, fish under some, an, under necessary pressure. Um, but 
I thought he did okay. And admittedly, he didn't do the defensive work that maybe he has done in previous games. But I don't think he needed to. I, I feel like his side wasn't really targeted as much. As I mentioned, or Jarrah's really, with the Louis and Jules thing, uh, with Marshall, that side was going to absolutely bombarded all game. And uh, Warren didn't... I think Warren did his job, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm interested to get your thoughts on it, uh, or both of you guys' thoughts on it. And I'll start with you, Ross. Uh, what were your thoughts on how Warren did yesterday? And, you know, did he do his job for you, or did he need to do more? Um, if if you want my honest answer, I don't feel feel like he put a foot wrong. I, um, I believe, as obviously we've highlighted, all the threat was coming down the right, and um, he wasn't needed in my eyes. Um, obviously, you can question, obviously, um, Piazzo uh, having a free header as such um, when he scored, but I don't know who actually was re- uh, reliable for that. I'd have to look into that. But I think it overall, might have been Louis. Was I mean, it Louis? To, it might have been Louis, yeah. Um, but overall, I, f- I feel like O'Hara is, he's, and I don't like to say it, but he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet for me because he's consists, consistently performs. And the thing like with like obviously having Fraser and all these big names in the squad, he goes under the radar quite a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, and that, that's the case with a lot of people in the squad right now. Um, I feel, let's say Scott Fraser just disappears, um, then I feel... A few certain players might give it more media attention, i.e. Matt O'Reilly, Warren, probably even Harry Darling, who, you know, different positions, but Harry Darling's been, even a poor game yesterday, I thought he did well, or a poor team game, I should say, sorry, he did well. Um, And, Joe, I know you really focus on left-hand side of the defence with uh, Livington and Jules, but what were your thoughts on Warren yesterday? I know you alluded to some some short passes that put Fish under pressure, but I thought, okay, he did all right. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I don't think he had actually had that much to do because I believe on the um, that left on the Northampton's left hand side they had um, Hoskins, uh, Hoskins and Joseph Mills, but Joseph Mills he, he barely ventured forward and, and Hoskins a lot of the time ended up drifting into the middle, um, so there there wasn't really necessarily that much in terms of you know wingers bombing down for. For, and I thought Laird actually dealt with quite a few of them before they maybe even got to Warren. So I think that's a, maybe another factor. Um, so, yeah, I, I just thought, you know, Warren had a fairly, in terms of defensively, Warren had a fairly quiet game because not much was going down that side, really. And I think, but I think playing out from the back, I thought Warren, he did fine. I thought, you know, I, I mentioned it before, there's a few passes going back to Fish. And you could just see them slowing up the closer they got towards the goal. And there's quite a few times Fish had to be on on the ball and he'd he'd be sprinting out and just smashing it because, you know, and, you know, it it might look bad for Fish. It might look like he's not, because I I, I heard on one of the commentators say, oh, and Fish Fish is, you know, he's struggled to get, or he's only just got that clear. But it's like, hang on a minute, if he didn't come out, then it would have just been straight to the, the Northampton player. So... Yeah, I thought Fish and I thought Darling as well. He, they both did a little bit of clearing up when um, maybe we were looking a little bit, not edgy, but just uh, a few hairy moments. But I thought both, you know, we, we didn't, apart from that one Hoskins chance, which maybe let's just not talk about. Um, I, thought, I thought Darling and, and Fish just swept up quite nicely. And I thought Ihora, I thought Ihora had a, you know, a, a decent enough game. Or, you know, it was probably a six out of ten. Didn't do anything wrong, but it wasn't necessarily amazing. 
Yeah, and I said didn't really need to, did he? Uh, Ethan Laird kind of, when he's on the pitch, did his job for him in some cases. And uh, yeah, he kept the game ticking and sort of needed it in the end. Um, so I'll finish off with uh, the man of the match in most people's eyes, Will Grigg. Uh, he's back on fire at Stadium MK. Uh, he's got his first goal, which is obviously great. Um, yeah, played well, I don't know what to say really. Um, there's, there's a reason why some people say he's got a man of the match. Um, Aerial-wise, didn't do much. That's what he's meant to do there, really. He's link-up play, and I felt he fought he fought well, ultimately, in a game that needed a bit of fighting, uh, a bit of grit, and um, he got his reward of his goal. And if he can do that every week, then, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will be very happy, and he'll definitely be paying the club back and bringing them back. And, Joe, I'm sure you agree in terms of Griggs' performance in general was quite a positive one. Yeah, and I think... Um... Just on on Griggs Griggs goal, I think it was you know it was it was the pressure from Grigg and Mason, and then Matt O'Reilly wins it back in midfield, and then Joe Mason just slots it straight into Grigg, and then you know with Grigg it, it, he doesn't need to think about it, does he? He cuts in and he knows exactly. He doesn't even need to look up. He knows where he's putting that ball, and that is you know something which we you know two or three months ago that ball would have been stopped and someone would have waited for the left back to, you know, overtake them, overlap them or something, or or we would have played it back into midfield, you know, maybe doubted ourselves. But, you know, like I said, with all the goals, it's, it was just ex- that extra bit of quality, which maybe we haven't had in a while. And, you know, if you score four goals a game, you're not going to lose many. That's for sure. Uh, with, uh, I'm pretty sure we've won every game we scored four goals in. So uh, that's <laughs> a nice so. positive start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, like, Russ, that, yeah. like Russ said, you know, it's not necessarily a game you enjoyed, but at the end of it, you take the good parts. But I think, you know, moving forward, just I, I, I think there were some bits we did didn't do great. For instance, the set pieces, but they're the sorts of things which are probably an easier fix than if we're getting torn open time and time and again. And I don't necessarily think that was the case. And last five, ten minutes or whatever it was after Charlie Brown scored. You know they're going to be piling on the pressure. It's going to happen. So just I take that with a pinch of salt, really. Yeah, and uh, one thing they did really well um, yesterday was the sort of substitutions in the end. As I mentioned, um, from the five guys that came on, two goals, two assists, um, and you've only got to credit the coach staff for reading that well. And maybe it wasn't reading it well, or maybe it's just bringing them on and see what they can do. But I feel they timed it pretty well, and obviously they reaped the reward to that Ross, and uh, that just shows. The quality is now in the squad, and we can push on. Hundred percent. I feel uh, obviously just going back on the Grig situation. Can't, can't can't you just tell? I know um, his whole like persona. Just just his interview after the game, you can tell so much more happy. He, he just wants to play football, and you know he's got the quality inside him to perform at this level. It's just whether obviously I know what's happening at Sunderland. Um, obviously for the takeover. It wasn't a positive place and it's just a whole whole new clean slate for him as such this season. But going back on the uh, subs, yeah, Russ nailed it and you can't fault it at all. Yeah, I mean, Greg said he wanted to play here, only place he wanted to play. And uh, he's certainly proven that now, hasn't he, with the one goal and two assists he's got in the, is it four games he's played now? Four? I think it's four. Four, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Is it three? Three. Yeah, because he, he was ineligible for the two Sunderland games. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah. So it's just Rochdale, Northampton, Hull, and then, uh, Northampton. Yeah. And today, yeah. Yeah. So 
yeah, I see better than even than we thought. So yeah, if he can keep up an average of a goal contribution every game, then I'm sure he'll be uh well doing us handsome than the favour in the summer, that's for sure. So that's kind of uh, Northampton wrapped up and Saturday wrapped up. Um obviously performance wise, not the prettiest, but three points gained in top half of the league and uh pushing on for sure and keeping up his good form into what is a tough stretch of fixtures in terms of places with the form teams in the league. Uh, one of which we're previewing later on. But before we do that, we'll get into some of your, well, part two of your listener questions. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so last week uh, we asked you guys some listener questions. Uh, we got through three of them, and we get through the last two now. Uh, so part two of the segment. Um, the first topic uh, coming in from Darcy nine nine six, and uh, he asked us the interesting question of out of all the players that left in the summer, uh, who would you have in the current starting eleven and why? Um, I'll kick off with you, Ross. Uh, who's the obvious answer out of that list? Scores every week, Reece Healy. Of um, course. Obviously, when he left. Um, it was just a case of trying to feel the loss in my eyes. I feel like he's a player you can't replace um, in my eyes. And uh, I feel like he was just one of a kind, um, especially at this level. And I don't feel feel like Cammy's done a bad job at all. And uh, I, personally, I feel like he's he's probably the biggest loss. But if we look at like, other, other positions, I just feel like we've upgraded. Like, he'll be Fraser, Walsh to O'Hara, Grandel's Gladwin. I feel like you... you Russ is just upgraded in each position. So I think out of the bunch, it's probably Reese Healy. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much just that. Uh, Joe, uh, any disagreements from you regarding that? No, I, th- I think all of us, we, we have to say Reese Healy. I think he, he only actually started 15 games in that season because, you know, he was injured for a lot of it. He scored 11 goals and got two assists. I think of, of people who scored 10 or more goals, the only one that actually... Um, did more than him or was anywhere near him was Ivan Tony, and he's not gone on to do too badly has he um, I think one player which it was more you know I, I'm, I understand why he left but just a player that I quite liked was Conor McGrandles. Um I, I did quite like his work rate and I, I'm not surprised he's doing so well at a team top of the league however maybe that's because of their system and you know, moving forward, he probably wouldn't have suited ours. You know, maybe like Slight Gilby again. He was, he, you know, we loved him, fans' favourite, but oh, I'd rather have Scott Fraser. So, yeah, I think you know, Ross is bang on when he says that actually at the time, yeah, of course, we were probably upset about a few of them. But, you know, I think uh, Walsh and Moore Taylor, I don't think they've actually played more than 20 games this season. Um, and I think that, you know, I, th- I think that. Some of the players, they might have done all right at other clubs, but they just maybe didn't suit our way of playing. So, yeah, overall, it's, it's Healy, isn't it? Yeah, I think with Grandels, it was... I definitely he's got to do as much as he did in this dance team as is in Lincoln. Obviously, the creative side of things, you got Jorge Grant, as Ross mentioned, who's one of his sort of players he'd go from the league if he had the choice that... is a great player and they've just got so much quality around that squad that Grandels has one role and... He's done that well his whole career. So, it, yeah, it was a plug and play, really. It wasn't really too much he had to improve on or to get to that Lincoln team. And, yeah, he's done all right so fast, for sure. 
Um, of course, Healy is the obvious choice. Are we different to go Callum Britton? Um, obviously, smashing it up in Barnsley in the Championship. Obviously, they got a big win against Brentford recently. And yeah, you know, he always had the potential to do well. It was just always named that position for us. And uh, maybe his head got turned a little bit by the Championship move, which is fair enough. It happens to the best of us. Um, but yeah, I feel like he had the potential to do well in this team. Uh, just couldn't nail down the right position for him. So yeah, he, I think aside from Reese, he was the other one that I thought maybe would have liked to have stayed. But listen, if we were getting good money for him, then happy days. But yeah, of course, Reese is the obvious one there. And if we could have Reese back within a heartbeat, we would. Uh, but hopefully he gets held on to the championship to like a Preston or a Blackburn, you know, get them add-on fees back and uh, happy days. So the final topic uh, we got given was from Swindles4, who uh, asked us basically a comparison, uh, Keith Andrews or Scott Fraser. Now, Joe, you can't really give us too many opinions on this topic because it's a bit before your time, as you mentioned. So me and Ross will touch upon this one. Um, Ross, I have a funny feeling where you're going to go with this. So I'll pass over to you first. Uh, who would you pick out of a, a Pete, Keith Andrews or Scott Fraser? Yeah, any day of the week is Keith Andrews. He was one of the first Dons players that I actually watched. Um, bear in mind, I was oh, really about five or six, so I don't remember a lot of it. But um, I just remember um, especially going to um, Wembley and watching him score the penalty, in, um, the first goal. And, yeah, he was just one of the first players I watched. So it might be more sentimental value as such. But um, looking back on it, it just I, I don't want to say it because not a lot of players did. I know Darren Potter did. Um, but he was a key player running that midfield and he had the whole game. But I feel like if we're looking like on an in individual level, because of you can say Keith Andrews or Scott Fraser, but what do you mean by that? Are they who's better or who do we like more? It's kind of a vague question, but at the end of the day, yeah, Keith Andrews all day. Yeah, my interpretation of it was if you had to pick one to be in the team right now, who would it be? Like the Keith Andrews we saw for two seasons. Maybe not the oh, five Keith. game loan spell. Keith any day. Keith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe not the five day uh, sorry, five game loan spell that we saw in like 2014, 2015 time. Uh, but yeah. I remember I have, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was a different, different player, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's gotta be Keith Andrews. Um, you know, he didn't win League Two Player of the Year for nothing that year, and he got on the I think it's a PFA team of the year as well. Uh, of course, once I've one of our first pieces of silverware as a club, uh, as Ross mentioned. Date when Leah was pretty memorable. Uh, yeah, I think it's got to be Keith Andrews. Um, if you're saying Scott Fraser over him, I was, I'd imagine you're a bit of a newer fan. Um, obviously, me and Ross have maybe watched a few more Don's games than that. And yeah, he was brilliant. And him and Ince were dynamic duo, quite frankly. And they won us, well, they won us promotion and trophies. So happy days. I don't think, I was just, just quickly on that. I don't think there's many players that can go from League Two to playing over 30 games in the Premier League in, you know, in, in, in one season, well, exactly. like from one season to the next. So I think that maybe shows you that it was a Premier League quality player playing in yeah, and, League Two. <laughs> and plus the Don's got seven figures for that deal as well. I think it was seven figures plus add-ons for a League Two player back then was incredible, quite frankly. Know, yeah. yeah uh, so, yeah, he, he was different, different gravy in terms of a player, uh, Keith Andrews. Uh, and hopefully Scott, uh, Scott Fraser can get to his level one day and uh, hopefully we don't have to compare and we can enjoy both of them whilst they're in the team. Okay, so that wraps up 
the questions. Thank you once again uh, for them. We'll definitely bring those back maybe towards the end of the season when we do sort of our like award shows and review the season. Uh, but me and Ross are going to show you our conversation we have with Ollie from Salopcast to preview Tuesday night's game against Shrewsbury. So after a seven-goal thriller against Northampton Town on Saturday afternoon, uh, the Dons are looking to repeat their performance uh, on Tuesday night against Shrewsbury, although maybe with less goals conceded. Um, and we travelled up to Shropshire and um, to get the insight on Salop, we've invited on Ollie from the Salop cast to give us everything on Shrewsbury. So, Ollie, how are you doing? Cheers, Liam. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so it's always good to get insight from the opposition fans and uh, you're definitely the go-to for Salop. So it's uh, <laughs> definitely uh, great to have you on. Obviously, it's been a little while since we played Salop um, at our place. It's an interesting game, 2-2. Of course, uh, we sort of scraped out our result again, thanks to Cammy Jerome. Uh, but obviously, lots changed at Salop since then. So uh, give us a lowdown on how it's sort of gone since then and what's recent form looking like. Yeah, so drawing to MK Dons was obviously enough for our board to sack the manager. <laughs> um, so tongue-in-cheek. Um, yeah, so we had Sam Ricketts um, and we finally got rid of him, um, which was very painful. Um, yeah, he he had a points per game of 0.69 this season. Very nice. And um, we were utterly terrible. Uh, so yeah, Steve Cottrell came in. So we sat the manager on like some like Tuesday, and by Thursday, Steve Cottrell in place, um, which is quite remarkable for Shrews because normally it takes us weeks to choose a new manager because we, some in some ways maybe a little bit too have too much integrity and we don't kind of chat to the manager before we sack our manager. Um, so the manager, so the, we got Steve Cottrell, basically the chairman phoned him up um, and yeah, he, he joined straight away and his turnaround has been ridiculous. He is, has the best start of any Shrewsbury Town manager. Wow. And that includes Mickey Mellon, who signed 17 players and came second to that Burton side that won League Two. Yeah. So yeah. to put it in context, you know, to come in, we were in the relegation zone, as you know, um, and to to do what he's done is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, we've got a, a points per game of um, 1.83. Um, we've lost to Sunderland and lost to Crew, so it hasn't been perfect. But the results and the turnaround has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and yeah, you won't, you your fans won't recognise Shrewsbury um, from the game that you saw. Um, we're a completely different side now. Yeah, and I suppose the hope is the same for us Don fans when you see us on uh, Tuesday night because uh, we've certainly developed a lot since we both played that game uh, at Stadium MK. Um, obviously, you mentioned about Steve Cottrell coming in and uh, wishing him well. Obviously, he's on the road to recovery, uh, working remotely at the moment after uh, being in hospital for COVID for an extended period. Um, so, yeah, wish him well. And what's what's Salop's kind of play style been like since Cottrell's come in? Yeah, so... We've gone through obviously a pragmatic style, a team that's in a relegation zone, devoid of confidence, making comical errors. Um, he basically focused on defence first. And obviously, we're playing back to back week games every week. We started and we beat, I think it was at the time, obviously, the whole have dropped down and the top six has changed. But at one point, I think we'd beaten everyone in the top four away from home. Um, and effectively, what he'd done is basically, we were playing three at the back by the time Ricketts had left. Um, and we were playing a very structured 3-4-1-2. So basically, he really got us really well organised, really well drilled. Um, Hull didn't even put a, a land a glove on us. It was unbelievable. And every time we played... So we actually did a, a live kind of venting show after the Ipswich game because we knew we were going to 
can concede. So we're doing almost like a live plot, live pod, watching the game, knowing that we we're going to concede. So it's 15 minutes to go. I said to Glenn, "We're going to concede," and guess what? We did. Uh, and and it, and that has just totally gone. We kind of like watch the games now, just chilled, like you know, seeing our games. And considering the back line is exactly the same, the midfielders are exactly the same. We signed a couple of players, um, but effectively the defence is pretty much the same in terms of central defenders. Um, and he's just so Aaron Pierre, uh, Roshan Williams, and Ebanks Landel. Um, you know, they were putting in you know five out of ten performances, and now they're putting eight out of ten and look completely different. Yeah, it was um, obviously we played off Hampton on Saturday, and they've obviously in the caretaker manager at the moment with uh, John Brady, and. Um, I said that I'd expect a different side from Northampton than what we saw in the Papa John's trade, things like that. And I suppose it's a similar story for Shrewsbury, isn't it? It's that different sort of manager, managers and different motivations and the players actually want to play for certain managers. Whereas with Ricketts, uh, from our perspective, seemed like he had every excuse under the sun rather than himself at times to uh, get results. Yeah, he even did an article, was interviewed by someone who's trying to claim credit for our changing results. Oh. Um, which didn't go down very well with the Shrewsbury fans, especially as the manager was in hospital at the time. Um, so, yeah, that didn't go down very well. Um, but, yes, what Steve Potter has done is, is yeah, all the, like, you know, opposition prep, we actually look like we're going into game with a game plan. Um, yeah. We He makes tactical changes in games. This is a revolutionary new thing that we found out about, that you can actually change your tactics in the game. Um, and he's just kind of, he's... Obviously, he hasn't. He's been been around the club for a while because he's had COVID. Um, but when obviously he's been interviewed, all the obviously the assistant manager's been interviewed and the players been interviewed, and they talk about he has this aura. And I guess it's a bit like a, you know a, a Warnock honor or maybe even like an Allardyce honor. You know, he just people and players just react to him. A bit old school maybe. Um, but he's an old school manager, but with really modern ideas. So yeah, really good in terms of um, how we prepare for games. And he's still very much involved. He's probably on Y Skype now as we talk for <laughs> prepping um, for the game against you guys on Tuesday night. Um, so, and the players, the players were working for Sam Ricketts, but as you guys know, it's all about those fine margins. Um, and the players, um, you know, we were the players are disappointed to draw away Accrington Stanley, which I think says a lot about kind of our expectations now uh, and the kind of performances we're putting in. We're not brilliant. I um, mean, you asked at the start, how do we play? We play quite direct football. Um, we're very solid, hard to break down. Um, and it was really interesting playing against Posh. Um, and I know you guys like to pass the ball, but it was really interesting. Posh passed the ball in their half and we passed the ball in their final third. So, yes, we're not, we're not at the moment, we don't have a team that is pretty ticky-tack of football. But what we do is we do get the ball forward really fast and then we play from there. So we will play football, but we'll try and do it in your final third rather than in our, if from our own half. But at the times, we did have a really nice character attack against Stanley yesterday where we played it through the lines. So we can play all sorts of styles. And you, as you guys know, you know, you've got your guys' style to Gillingham's style. And every single game is a completely different battle. Um, so, you, you know, the teams that do well cope against all different styles. Yeah, I mean, our gaffer, Russ, is all about having touched in the penalty area. That's kind of his like key metric that he judges performances on. Um, so by the sounds of it, uh, Cottrell kind of operates in the same sort of realm in terms of getting the ball in the final third and trying to play football. And yeah, um, yeah there's no shame in drawing to Atkins Stanley. We got uh, battered there, quite frankly. Admittedly, um, <laughs> that was a completely different time for us as a team. But yeah, we, we certainly weren't prepared for that performance. So yeah, getting anything there seems to be a good result at the moment. 
So we've touched on some key players for the game. Um, Ross, I believe you wanted to ask about uh, a certain former Bolton midfielder in uh, Josh Vella. Yeah, Ollie, I hope you're doing all right, mate. Um, yeah, I've, I've noticed under Sam Ricketts, um, going back to the clash at Stadium MK, um, Josh Vela was actually playing out on the wing. And um, I've noticed in previous games, especially at, at Accrington, you play a 4-3-3 system. And he was actually playing in the deeper role in, in the midfield to the right. And I was just wondering, um, do you prefer him as a winger or do you prefer him back in the midfield? Yeah, when Josh Feller probably had his best season, he played as a number 10 for Bolton. And that's the top side that did really well in League One. Um, and we've typically been playing, um, as I said, 3-4-1-2. Uh, and we, yeah, we played 4-3-3 at times on Saturday. But our kind of go-to is to have two number sixes in the centre of the park. So Vela and Norburn, um, interestingly, have known each other since they were 10 in the Bolton Academy. Um, and they play as a, he's been playing as a six, which is not a role that we kind of expected from him. Um, but it's really fascinating to see how a player can change, um, you know, in such a short period of time. Um, you know, we never, I never really thought of him as a combative box-to-box midfielder, but that's what he's kind of turned himself into. Um, and him and Vela, him and uh, Norburn, sorry, um, cover so much ground in front of our back line. Um, and he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, he's, he looks like a player rejuvenated. Um, and the, I'm not wouldn't be surprised if he scores soon. He had a really good effort um, away at, at Stanley on Saturday. Um, and he's got a good left sh- um, shot on him. So him and Norburn have been really integral to how we've played. Um, and I would expect Norburn and Vela to play um, in central midfield together. I actually want to touch upon a player that I saw a tweet on from you recently in the goalkeeper Sarkic. Because he wasn't really a player under the radar initially, but he's a player that's certainly caught my eye at the moment in terms of how he's pretty, from what I can see, he's a pretty good shot stopper and he's quite quick on his feet, etc. So give us a bit of a breakdown on the goalkeeper Sarkic and why he's so important to the Salop team. Yeah, so Sarkic is an interesting player. Um, he's got a Montenegrin dad, English mother, um, and he's both his parents are diplomats. Um, and he, yeah, he plays for Montenegro um, at all the youth levels. Um, and he's a very, very good shot stopper. Um, he seems to be a goalkeeper that the defence have a lot of confidence in. Um, he was at Villa and then Wolves signed him and loaned him out to us. And he's been a few clubs on loan. Um, and yeah, we've got a bit of a philosophy. So we had Dean Henderson a few years ago. Yeah. Um, last year, we had a goalkeeper on loan from um, O'Leary from Bristol City. So we have our kind of philosophy seems to be in the last few years is to get a championship level goalkeeper on loan. And he's certainly championship level. Um, his shot stopping, his reactions. Um, yeah, he's, he's a really, really solid goalkeeper. And as you saw from that, yeah, the tweets from from um, Posh Report, um, he is one of the best performing goalkeepers in the in the league. And his distribution probably needs to improve if he wants to play regularly in the championship. Um, but as you guys know, it's been quite windy recently, so I think we have to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, he's one. Of, he's been absolutely superb for us. Um, and as you guys know, you know, if your back line has confidence in your goalkeeper that kind of confidence comes through the team. And when he was missing, um, I felt sorry for Harry Burgoyne. He kind of came in goal when our back line was conceding terrible errors. Um, I think actually played in goal in the game against you, against NK Dons at your stadium. Um, and yeah, Harry Burgoyne's stats don't look so great. But yeah, since he's come in, he's given the team a lot more confidence and he's been key um, in terms of our turn in form. Yeah, definitely. I think it's underestimated how much a keeper can change a team in general. And Fish has been brilliant for us. And it sounds like uh, Sarkic has been brilliant for you. We'll touch upon 
uh, just for some of the section about some key players from January. Um, and I suppose the key player is Harry Chapman um, in from Blackburn. He seems to have really put a different element to the Shrewsbury team in terms of his goal contribution. And he seems to be the key player to watch out for on Tuesday uh, from an outfield perspective. So give us a bit of a breakdown of Harry Chapman. How's he been for you? Yeah, Harry Chapman has been absolutely amazing. He's probably um, he's probably Shrewsbury Town's fans' favourite player at the moment, um, alongside Sean Worley. Um, yeah, to come in and what well, to say? He's he's played six games in the league. He scored four goals, um, and yes, and three of those have been from long range. Um, if you get if your fans have the chance, have a look for his goal against Sunderland. It was across from the left hand side from Worley. Into the into the six yard box, he's got the goalkeeper coming at him. He's got the set, a central defender on him, and he puts it into the back of the net. Um, he is a really really good player. He's one of those players that's deceptively fast as well. Um, so when he gets the ball, he'll run forward um, against Sunderland. Um, Vokin, who's on loan from Southampton, um, he had him all over the park. Um, and yeah, he's been really key for us. So we when we had um, we've got um, Aaron Pierre is injured at the moment, so that's why we've gone to four at the back. Um, but he, but Chapman has kind of got a bit of a bit of a free role, really. So he played it in ten role um, before, but at the moment he's playing um, kind of on the left side in a yeah in a four two three one. But he has license to pop up anywhere he wants. So when he scored away at Swindon, he was actually to the right side of Maine, who controlled the ball, chested it, passed it to to, to Chapman, and he just fired it in it was an absolute rocket. So yeah, he's a, a huge fan favourite at the moment, and we are, we're really hopeful that we can sign him up because his his contract expires in the summer. Oh, interesting! So I plot a competition for him then in the uh, summer if he keeps his tough form. You don't definitely. need another number ten. You got Fraser. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, I think uh, Mr. Fraser might be moving on if uh, if the right offer comes in. Um, I suppose we'll end it off. You mentioned Maine. Um, obviously, there's a bit. We won't get into the debate about Greg versus Maine, um, but there was a lot of talk about uh, Greg and deadline day um, and Curtis Main certainly has made his mark on the team I suppose obviously two assists in three games so how does he help with who's a link up play especially with his assists rather than his goals more so which Chapman seems to taking care of quite nicely yeah I, I don't, I, I'm sure some of your fans probably won't believe me when I say this but for me I didn't really understand why we were going to sign Will Grigg um, he's not the player that we needed we needed a target man um, to kind of link up play and main exactly that so you'll see, um, so that, that goal I was talking about away at Swindon, um, he got an assist um, for Ebanks Landau from a free kick. And when we scored against Sunderland, um, he's got two assists in four games, I think. Um, and for me, he's, we needed a target man more than a poacher. Um, if we had Will Grigg, that means we probably wouldn't be playing Sean Worley. Um, and we have to play a Doe instead, who's a, a, a striker we signed from Telford. He's, he works really hard, but his link-up play is a bit inconsistent. And yeah, Chapman is exactly what we wanted. He's that Emil Heskey kind of player. Holds up the ball, probably not really going to score, but he makes Chapman, Worley and all our midfielders play. And it's really interesting. We were playing away at Swindon. I think it was his second game. Um, and you just noticed that the players had confidence that we were going to get the ball back from him. You know, we've all seen it when a player passes to a, a striker and they don't make that second run, but the players believe they're going to get the ball back um, from Maine. And that's really needs to have really helped our attacking play. So, yeah, it's good to see Grigg is doing well for you guys. Uh, it's nice to see. Um, but hopefully he doesn't do that on Tuesday night. But, yeah, he, Will Grigg wasn't the player that we needed. Um, we had a poacher in Jason Cummings and he didn't play. Um, so, yeah, for me, getting Will Grigg would have just been a replacement for Jason Cummings and probably would have been on the bench. 
yeah, Grigston, or we well actually, and we we always knew with this coach staff that we thought we have a good chance of rejuvenating him. Um, and yeah, one goal and two assists, and he was lucky not to get a second goal actually um, in his in his games. Is a a nice return so far. Um, Ross, do you have any other key players you want to touch on, or should we move on to our predicted starting elevens for Tuesday night? No, I think uh, Ollie summarised Josh Baylor very well. We can move on to starting lineups. All right, I'll kick off with you then. Um, what's your uh, Don's predicted starting eleven for Tuesday night? So I've gone with the ever so reliable Fisher and goal. Um, and we've got the same back three in Ohura, Darling, and Louis. I've gone with Ethan Led as the wing back. And I've gone with um, one change in Harvey coming in for Jules. Felt Jules struggled uh, yesterday. Um, I felt he at times he he was out of position and um, he struggled with with his matchup. Um, so I feel like just to freshen things up. Obviously, um, two games in four days it's, it's it's a bit of a stretch for him. I just feel like um, yeah, just bringing Harvey. I feel like they're similar players. It's not going to really really impact the, the team as such. Um, then I've gone with the same three in the middle in Sermon in the deeper role, um, Fraser in the left 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 hand side of the mid and O'Reilly on the right. And then up top, I've gone with another change in Mason coming out for Cammy up top. Felt like when Cammy came on yesterday, it was a real threat. And obviously, how can you drop Cammy Jerome if he's fit at the end of the day? He's, he'll, he'll nick goals and I think everyone knows that. And then obviously the main man, Grig, alongside him. Yeah, even in 30 minutes, Cammy looked excellent yesterday, didn't he? And uh... Yeah. It, it would take a brave man not to play him again. Um, we were, I was pretty surprised, or me and Joe were, that he didn't play yesterday from the start. Um, I've got the same 11 by one player. Um, I'm sticking with Jules. Uh, he's very hot and cold at the moment at left wing. And as Russ mentioned, he was playing for a specific role in the game on Saturday to try and counter the Northampton press. Um, so Shrewsbury trying to attempt the same style which many teams have, and it's worked at times. You know, Plymouth, for example. Um, then Jules is going to be needed. Uh, so I think Jules will play again. Um, as I say, it's a new role for him. It's going to take time for him to adapt to. Um, so, yeah, I've gone with the same line as you, Ross, apart from just the one change with Jules. I felt uh, he struggled with Marshall a lot, um, in a sense. He was struggling to... It's a one-on-one -on -one draw. I feel like if if we win that, if we win that, we, we wouldn't have conceded so many goals in my eyes. And I know there was individual mistakes, two individual mistakes in the game, but I felt like, obviously... If Jules wins his, uh, obviously, his matchup, we'd uh, be a lot more strong defensively. Yeah, I felt Northampton tried to keep it on the floor yesterday, didn't they? And typically, we haven't seen that from many teams coming up against us. We're kind of the ones doing that quite a bit. Um, so we had to change our style. And um, But no, I think Jules, from some people will disagree, but I felt he did okay yesterday. Um Obviously, he keeps getting brought off early because he's probably knackered because uh, his fitness probably isn't up there for a left wing back just yet. Uh, but now stick with him, uh, stick with my man, and uh, I'm sure he'll repay us, repay our faith or my faith in at least. Um, Ollie, what you mentioned about the setup of how Shrewsbury may look upon a Tuesday night, but what sort of personnel do you reckon may start the game? Yeah, I'm surprised if we actually maybe have a, a change in the middle of the park. Um, we signed David Davis from the Blues from Birmingham City um, in, in the January transfer window, and he keeps coming off the bench. Um, I would be surprised if we play 4-2-3-1 um, again. Um, Chapman Wally on the left, uh, Main up front. Um, we've been playing Goss, who has in his career been a deep-line playmaker, playing the number 10 role, because he didn't want to split up Norburn and Vela. 
I wouldn't be surprised maybe if one of those switches around. Uh, maybe we go for a more of a 4-3-3. I'm not sure. Um, the back line will be the same, I'm sure. We'll have Love at right back. Um, Ogbeta is a player you really need to keep your eye on. Uh, we signed him from Man City's under-23s. He played. Um, he was in the squad for the under-20 team that won the World Cup. Um, he's played um, for all the youth levels. Um, and we signed him and he's absolutely amazing left back. Um, technically really assured, really good at putting the ball in the box. He's prepared to keep your eye out. And then Vela Sarsic in goal. But I wouldn't be surprised maybe if we switch it up. Obviously, obviously we're going to have a lot of games coming up. Um, and we've been surprised that Davis hasn't started yet. Um, so I think that's the, how the shooter team will line up. I do find it quite funny that, yeah, uh, we had Jules, never played for us and just disappeared. And he's a bit of a shooter town reject, which is quite funny. And yeah, he's six foot three and built like a, a, a tiger tank. And I don't understand why he's playing your left wing back role. Yeah, it's interesting because when we had uh, Bailey Cargill, he was playing open back for a bit as well. And um, he's very attacking. Um, obviously, he likes to pop shot as uh, me and Ross know too, all too well. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It seems to be Russ likes his Shigan Yang approach as wing backs. He likes to have more attacking Ethan Led on the right hand side and then um, you know, like more defensively minded Jules. And then even in the game on Saturday, we saw, you know, Sorinola go to the right hand side and uh, Daniel Harvey come on the left hand side. So again, the Ying and Yang approach. So he doesn't like to, he likes to balance, I suppose. And I suppose Jules encourages that balance a bit more than maybe Daniel Harvey does. So I think if Ethan Laird plays on the right-hand side of the, well, of the midfield slash defence, whatever you want to call it, I think uh, Jules is more than likely to get the start. Um, but yeah, he's been, he's been up and down. Um, but as expected, it's a new position for him. It's going to take time to learn. And we've seen with this squad especially how, how three or four months can really change our fortunes. And we've done really well these past month or so and push ourselves at the league. So, yeah, I think I think Russell will stick with him as long as he's fit. Um, but, hey, he could be surprised, who knows? Yeah, I'm surprised he was, because looking at his numbers, he played um, left-back and central defence for Warsaw. So I'm really surprised he even played left-back. So, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it? You know, you should never, um, you know, box a player into a certain position. Um, and they can, you know, they can be certainly be quite adaptive. Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know how long uh, Dean Lewin is going to go on for, but... Our thought process was. Isn't he to... about forty now? <laughs> He's, getting there. He's getting there. <laughs> Age like fine wine. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, our thought process was that um, Jules would be the sort of successor to Louis eventually when he does, you know, decide to hang up his boots or have less playing time. But maybe that's not the case after all. Maybe uh, Jules is going to be the left wing back, which uh, none of us expected to say the least. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to say, uh, to uh, topic to talk about. And um, I suppose we'll, sit, we'll sign off our predictions, gents. So how do you have the game go on Tuesday night? Ollie, how do you see a Tuesday night going uh, home to MK Dons? It's going to be very close, um, I think. Um, both teams are doing well, both fairly high up in the form table. Um, I think it will, whoever whoever scores first is going to be key. If we score first, I wouldn't be surprised if, you, if we, that's it. Game over. We'll just see the game out. We've without being rude, we've we've we can we've we've held out against better attacking sides than you guys, um, in terms of you know the top teams in the division. Um, Peter um, Peter didn't score against us. Hull didn't score against us. Um, Lincoln didn't score against us. Um, however, every game is unique, um, and yeah, obviously you guys do have goals in your team, um, so it could go it could go either way. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very very close um, game and. I wouldn't be supposed to draw, but let's go for a 2-1 Shrewsbury Town win. 
no, I like it. Nice and confident. You've got to back your team. You've got to back your team. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put a bet on there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a bit of a tight game. I wouldn't do that myself. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on Tuesday in terms of score result? Jeff Don's winning. It's quite interesting, Ollie. You've said about um, Shrewsbury holding out leads. I believe we've went ahead in eight games this season and we haven't lost. So uh, it just shows that both teams are strong once they get a goal. And I completely agree with you. Whoever gets the first goal will win this game. But I was just looking at a few um, statistics and Shrewsbury, um, that in their home games especially, out of 11 out of their 12 um, last home games, there's only been under 2.5 goals. So it's going to be a low-scoring game, I feel. Um, yeah, but I feel... Trouble. you've got the Sam Ricketts effect. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you can't take that serious. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do understand abysmal that. at home. Yeah, um, but I just feel like um, our away form is like a home form at the moment, and uh, it's, it's it's well, it's like a new home as such. Um, we're doing very well on uh, the away. I think we're in the top ten in the league on the road now, and I, I just feel like we'll have a bit too much for the Shrewsbury side. Um, and if we put a similar performance to which we played against Hull, I can't. Um, I can't see us um, losing this game personally. But if we see something like Northampton's performance, I feel like it could be a draw or we possibly lose it. So I've gone with a positive 1-0 Dons away victory. And uh, let's just hope we can get a clean sheet on the road again. Yeah. Um, we say, as Ross said, uh, away is our new home, essentially, yeah. We tend to be uh, playing better away in these pitches that are perhaps in better condition than ours. Um, as you may have seen from the hard Saturday, our pitch is an absolutely atrocious state and yeah. there's no real money to fix it at the moment. So it's kind of like that's sale of that for the rest of the season. Um, I could easily go gone nil-nil for this game. I see both teams can each out pretty well. Um, but instead of going for a board drop on 1-1, um, I see both teams are fairly similar in the PPG side of things since Cottrell came in, as uh, Ollie mentioned. Uh, so Shrewsbury at 1.83, we're at 1.8. So lit, pretty much neck and neck. There's not much in it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really tight game. And we've got this run of games now where we go up against the foreign teams in the league. Obviously, Shrewsbury and uh, Oxford and Gillingham. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough run of games for us. And I think getting a point at Shrewsbury isn't a bad result at all. So I've got 1-1. Yeah, just a final note. Um, you will actually see graphs on on Tuesday night. Beautiful. We've got, we've got <laughs> an amazing pitch. We've got an amazing pitch. Um, yeah, probably, probably up there with one of the best in the league. Um, I see Gillingham still have grass on their pitch. Um, but yeah, um, the, some of the pitches in the league are just utterly atrocious. Peterborough's is just a disgrace. And yeah, oh, um, Ackerton yeah. Stanley's um, yesterday was, was terrible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Scott Fraser and Co are definitely pleased to hear about the grass on Shrewsbury's pitch because uh, that's what he's to play on rather than a bit of mud and uh, patchy surfaces. Um, so yeah, thank you once again, Ollie, for coming on and uh, being the guest of the latest opposition overview. Um, if you've got anything to plug, uh, feel free. No, yeah, I'm sure your fans won't really want to follow my tweets during the game. But um, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're on Twitter on Saladcast and yeah, uh, if you ever want to listen to us, yes. Sometimes it's interesting to listen to opposition and podcasts after a game. Um, but yeah, we'll we're, we're find us on, on Twitter if you want to know more about Shrewsbury Town. Yeah, I listen to a few opposition Pockets actually before games um, as well, just to get a gauge of what's going on and um, how the team's doing. And yeah, definitely check it out. Um, one of the better EFL podcasts, in my opinion, out there. Uh, so give them a follow and give them a listen. And 
that's it for episode 35 of the MK1 podcast. Um, obviously, midweek edition of this uh, before the game on Tuesday night. It'd be excellent if you rate, review, and subscribe as always. And come on, you dons. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.